Amen. Let's, while you're standing there, just get your Bible, turn to the book of Galatians chapter 5. I want to read two verses. I just want to dive into this. Like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to skip some of it because I feel like the last three things that I'm going to say are very, very important. All of it's going to be important, but the last three things I really need to get to tonight. Um, just believe God's going to speak. This is a word from God. I'm confident of that. I really am confident of that. Galatians 5, verse 16. Paul writes, This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Everybody say environment. Say it again, environment. The Spirit of God is an environment. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So I'm going to talk tonight for a few moments on the power of environment. You've heard messages like this. This won't be new. It won't be profound. But I know it's for tonight. So you can be seated in the presence of the Lord, the power of environment. The definition almost goes without saying, but environment is the surroundings or conditions in which a person, animal, or plant lives or operates. A lot of things can affect environment. Climate affects environment. Soil quality affects environment. Pollutants or the air quality uh, affects environment. Water quality affects it. And human activity affects it. Pastor Jared mentioned a couple of times already about Adam and Eve. They were created to live in a perfect environment. And yet they failed. What an environment they had. Go back and read it sometime. When you have time, God looked at them and he said, they're a very good creation. But remember what he said about their environment. He said, it's good. So they are a very good creation being placed into a good created environment. But we know that the serpent came. He introduced uh, deceitful words that led to a fatal choice that changed forever the environment that human beings would live in. The serpent was the introduction of something different, something foreign into the perfect environment that Adam and Eve were living in. He was the introduction of iniquity into something that if it had been sustained, it would have been flawless. It would have been beautiful forever. But God said about the serpent that he's more subtle than any beast of the field, right? You remember that. He's more subtle than any beast of the field. He placed doubt on God's words. Pastor's already dealt with a lot of this. He placed doubt on God's words. It introduced a lie into the equation, and it took humanity into realms of experience and knowledge that were forbidden by God. Eve should have never been talking theology with a serpent. You got no business talking theology with the devil because that's the Holy Ghost business. That's the business of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for you to get your theological definitions and information and revelations. You get that from God. But listen, the perfect environment and the people created perfect living in it should have taken the serpent out of that environment. Everything that God did for them, everything that God put in them was for the benefit of dealing with that serpent. Again, the serpent was a 
for an object that not only was subject to the environment they lived in, but also was subject to the authority that God put in Adam and Eve to live in that environment. It never should have wound up like it did. God put things in place because it would wind up that way, but it didn't have to wind up that way. You see, the heat of the moment, ladies and gentlemen, replaced the cool of the day. You always get in trouble when you deal in the now, the pressure of the moment. It will always drive you out of the cool of the day. You know what the cool of the day is? That's the Holy Spirit. I know that because it means the wind of the day, the wind of the day. God met with Adam and Eve in the Holy Spirit. If they would have stayed in the Holy Spirit, they would never have fulfilled the lust of their flesh, right? Never would have happened, but it didn't happen because they got outside of their environment. The environment was not the Garden of Eden. The environment was God. The environment was the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing to me that God is so wonderful and God is so loving that even when Adam and Eve sinned and hid themselves among the trees of the garden, God still called them to environment. Adam, where are you at? See, God never leaves that environment, sir. God always comes to church ready to be God. You don't have to sing him into the mood to be God. You don't have to pump him up and prime him up to be God. He lives in the environment that is himself. So we must do the exact same thing. Now hang in here with me. We're going somewhere tonight. The Lord then dealt severely with the serpent. Let's look. Do you have that for me tonight? Genesis chapter 3. If you don't, I'll read it from the Bible. There you go. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 3. Listen to this. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Verse number 15 says, And I will put enmity <clears throat> between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I want you to see tonight, dear friend, that God dealt severely with the serpent. God cursed that serpent. God put him down on his belly and told him how to act and how to go in the earth. God gave him dust as his dietary restriction. And God said that he would always be on the crushed and defeated end in spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. I said God told him he's always going to be on the crushed and defeated end of spiritual warfare. But listen, when the seed of the woman got here, now there's a new environment. He's not the seed of the first Adam. He's the seed of the woman. He got his blood from his father. He was born supernaturally. And when Jesus got here to this earth, he brought in a new environmental capacity and action for a new kind of man. He was born of the spirit. He was filled with the spirit, empowered by the spirit, and led by the spirit. Adam lived in a perfect creation and fell. Jesus lived in a fallen world and lived perfect. I said that's a better deal. Come on somebody. I said that's a better deal. Adam lived in what was perfect and fell. Jesus lived in a fallen world and he lived perfect and above it all because there's a new environment and there's a new man that's living by the Holy Ghost. So Jesus introduces that. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. The environment of the life of God in the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God were in him. 
the environment's in you. It's not out here. It's in here. Hallelujah. It's in us. And this is what Jesus said in John 14, 30. For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. He said, there's no room in thine environment. That's what Adam and Eve should have said to the serpent. You've got no business here. We've got authority over you. We've got power over you. But instead, they let that serpent talk them into partaking of what God told them not to partake of. But when Jesus said to the serpent, or about the prince of the world, that he comes and hath nothing in me, what he's saying is, there's no curse that he's gonna put in my bloodline. There is no curse in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. There may be in your earthly bloodline, but there's not a curse in the blood of Jesus. It's innocent blood. It's spotless blood. It's perfect blood. I watched that devil get angry a moment ago as we sing about the spotless blood of the Son of God. And that's what Jesus was saying. There is no curse in this blood. The earth, there's no earthy area for him to move in. There's no first Adam dust to feed on. There's no way to lift up or to to hold up his crushed head. It's over forever. I said it's over forever, ladies and gentlemen, and it's time that you and I live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, and we'll say the same thing. The devil may come in like a flood, but the Holy Ghost is going to raise up a standard against him, and we're going to walk in victory and live in the life of God. Oh, you got to hear what I'm about to tell you now. This, this is why I flew. This is why the devil tried to keep me out of this service tonight, right here. Right here. The greatest threat to a Holy Spirit controlled environment is not the serpent, it's people that we love, honor, and respect and dwell with that have been victimized by the serpent. I'm going to say that again. Got one well and a teach us Lord and, and a grunt or two out there. The greatest threat to a Holy Spirit controlled environment is not the serpent. It's nothing for We tread on serpents and scorpions. But the problem is it's people that we love, honor, and respect and dwell with that have been victimized by the serpent. Look at chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Verse 17, listen to what God said. And, 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 and I'm sorry, and to Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, not the serpent. The serpent beguiled Eve. But verse 17 says, unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, say, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Hear what I'm about to tell you. Eve got deceived and the moment Eve was deceived, she now had the potential and actually fulfilled it to be a deceiver herself that's the problem with deceived people they're not just deceived they start operating in the spirit of the deceiver 
And there's some of you right now that are victimized by people that have been bitten by the serpent. Beware of people that are victims of deception because they're going to prey on your emotions. They're going to use their intimate position to get to you, to live contrary to clear and concise words of God. Adam could have easily said to that serpent, no, 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 no. But listen, when Eve came batting those pretty eyes, now honey, if you're wanting some of this, you're not going to get any of this unless you eat of this right here. That's unbelievable pressure on anybody, but that's the way the serpent operates. They get bit, the toxins in them, and the poison is in them, and then they come to you, and they start doing their pretty thing, and their fancy thing, and before long, you're caving in with your emotions, and you're eating something, doing something that you know God never told you to do. He told you how to live. He told you how to walk, so rise up and walk in the Holy Ghost and live the Word of God. Come on, give me praise tonight in this house. Hallelujah. Glory. Job chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. He took him a potsherd to scrape himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Took a lot of hootspah for Job to say what he said, but he said it. He said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. Matthew 16, 22 and 23. But Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, accuser, devil, adversary, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now listen, ladies and gentlemen, Job's wife loved Job. And Job's wife loved God. But she did not like what was happening concerning Job and God at that particular moment. She really was not aware that Satan was behind it all. So now she's blaming God, just like you said a moment ago. Just, just curse God and die. But listen, Job needed her womb. He's got another family to produce with. And even though this woman's coming against him, still Job said, I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to resist your toxin. I'm going to resist your poison. But I need your womb. And that's what you got to realize tonight, that some of the people trying to talk you out of your Christianity, trying to talk you out of your environment. You're going to need them when it's all said and done. Don't you get hateful with them. Don't you get bitter with them. But stand up and say, no, I'm not going to let you speak death when God has spoken life unto me. said to your best friend, get thee behind me, Satan. Now I have said to Russell before, Russell, come out of that devil. <laughs> Some of you get that after a while, it's funny. Brandy's shaking her head, that's the best amen I got out of her all night. <laughs> Peter loved Jesus, did he not? Sure he did. 
He loved God. But Jesus knew, Peter, I'm going to need you on the day of Pentecost. And i got to teach you a lesson that it's not about friendship. And it's not about emotional ties. And it's not about soul ties. It's not about phileo love. It's about agape love. And I love God too much. And I love you too much to let you operate in the power of Satan to try to talk me out of my cross. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. If I was a devil, I'd try to keep me out of this service too. It's liberating people. I'm telling you. God's going deep in people tonight. Neither Job or Jesus were drawn into the environmental or emotional realm rather, but exposed the source of their verbiage of deception. Job was looking at recovery times too. Jesus was looking to release the new covenant and both of them needed the very people that are operating in the power of the devil. Some of the people that are hurting you, don't you get hateful with them. Don't you hate them. Don't you reject them like they rejected you because you're going to need them eventually to be everything and to be everybody that God meant for you to be. Mm. That's not my favorite part. See, we got a choice right now that we're on the process of making. I'm going to talk about choice tomorrow night more than likely at the crusade. Here's what's wrong with certain serpent-bitten people They're full of the toxins of worldly thought and practice. They feed or have fed on the earthly knowledge of good and evil. When when it says that Jesus lays the axe to the root of the tree, what tree do you think he's talking about? Had to be the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what got the whole mess started to begin with. But people have been bitten by the serpent. Their basic propensity, I mean, Brother Jared, you blew me away tonight. Their basic propensity is, it's in my notes, is to question the goodness and the thoroughness of God in providing for, protecting, preserving, and persevering with his people. What does serpent say? Genesis 3 Verse 1, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Verse number 5 says, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Oh, man, you got to hear what I'm about to tell you right now. We have watched in disbelief as people who heard the same words that we've heard have the same experiences that we have had, now are offering us the fruit of a lesser consecration and commitment. What happens to victims? They become advocates. Somebody gets raped, 
They start a rape crisis center a lot of times. Get involved in a rape crisis situation. You listening to me? They become advocates. What happens when somebody stops short of the environment that God has for them? They become advocates of shallowness. I mean, people heard the same stuff about the end times that we heard, have the same experiences, and now they are saying, come on, you're going to have to be careful now, Brother David. There's a pandemic and stuff's just weird out there right now. Listen, I'm sorry, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not buying into that stuff. Don't you try to sell that stuff to me. I need you in my life. I want you in my life. But I'm not eating that fruit because the serpent has been crushed. His head has been demented and defeated by the power of Jesus Christ and his walk in the spirit. Glory. My God. Woo. Hallelujah. I said victims become advocates. That's pulled a lot of people out of the spirit. I've been preaching everywhere I've been going. We talk about all the people that died. We lost great friends to this. It's been horrific. But there's a whole lot more people died spiritually than physically. You can say amen or oh me, it doesn't matter. That's the truth. And if we saw the numbers, it would blow us away at the people that listened to the serpent and now trying to get us to feed on the same junk. Listen to the serpent trying to get us to feed on the same garbage, the same lies. And I say, get thee behind me. I say, you speak like a foolish woman. You speak like a foolish man. The tough choice is, will we eat at the table of devils or will we eat at the table of Jesus? This is what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 10, 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord. Watch the cup of the Lord. Not my will, thy will be done. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a cup of the Lord. What's a cup of devils? My will. And God's will when it's convenient. But you can't drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Now let me give you this real, okay, listen. Just hang in here with me. My day's probably been as hard as anybody's in this house. Just let me have, just, just, <laughs> just indulge me a few more minutes, Okay. Now, go to John chapter 5. Can I have verses 2 and 3? If you have those. First part of verse 3 here in a moment. Saw two ships. I'm sorry. It's John 5. Did I put Luke? I probably did. (laughs) I'm surprised I know my name tonight. I'll just read it right here. John chapter 5 and verse 2. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Let's just get that first part of verse 3. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. All kinds of hurting people. Listen, there is a continual and worsening weakness in an environment of carnality. 
When you're struggling with something, a lot of times you start gravitating to people that are advocates of shallowness. That'll almost make you, listen, if you're struggling against something, that's great. Jesus will work with you until you receive his grace to overcome it. But there's some people going to tell you that you're going to have to struggle with it the rest of your life. That's a lie. That's not the Lord. And I've watched a lot of people that believe that lie. They start gravitating to weak people. They start hanging out. They start hanging out on the front porch of people that are weak and frail, that never have victory, just lay around and gripe and complain about how difficult it is and just hope maybe God will break out sometime and they'll feel like getting in. I heard a story one time about an elderly lady. And sometimes this can't be helped. I understand this. But there was an elderly lady and her family was thinking about putting her into a home with other elderly people that were struggling. They thought she might feel more comfortable there. But this woman still had her mental acuity about her. She still could get around and she's talking to her family and her family went and talked to a, 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 a professional about the potential of her going into this home. And the, I, I love this. The professional said to them, listen, you might need to consider not putting your mama in there. Your mama's pretty strong. And you've got to know if you put her in there with people that are digressing, it won't be long. She'll be going down like the rest of them. You hear what I'm saying tonight? If you get around people, that's all they do is digress and never get in and they never overcome. It won't be long. You'll be making excuses for everything you do and you'll try to find some theological perspective that says once in grace, always in grace and you got to sin a little every day. No, that came from the serpent. That's the first Calvinist message. You won't die if you sin. No, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Bible, I'm just, I'm just preaching the Bible. You won't die. Come on, you're going to struggle with this the rest of your life. Come on, you're going to sin a little every day. You don't have to. You walk in the Spirit. If there had been any cussing me at all today, it would come out. I promise you that. But I just started praising God. I said, Lord, what are you keeping me from? You don't have to tell me. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'd rather not know. But Lord, I, I just thank God for this day. I wanted to feel sorry for myself. I wanted to get down. But instead, I'm praising God. Lord, I get to go preach tonight. I get to be around people I love. What I'm saying is, you don't have to sin. You can walk in the Spirit, hang out with Jesus, hang out with the Holy Ghost, hang out with overcomers, and you'll be an overcomer like the rest of them. Glory! Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's why I like hanging out with Jared Jenkins. Because then I've got the stuff and beat out of me. He's strong. I won't say the rest of what I was going to say. <laughs> but sometimes he needs me to be up. See, this is not evolutionary principles. This is a creator. This is a potter molding clay. 
This is a potter molding clay. It's not. That, but it works that way in the natural. That's what they believe. That's the way that I, you put stuff around it. Won't be long, you'll be just like them. But if you walk in the spirit out of creation, out of God's creative excellence through Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be like Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus under good works. A couple more and I'm done. I want to tell you tonight that Jesus is greater than the placebo effect found in seasonal moves in the altar. You nurses will know what I'm talking about here. Look at verse 3. last part of verse 3 again says, Empty folk of blind, hot, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Well, if we can just have a good altar service. I'm for it. We've got to have them. You have as good as anybody I know. Waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Altar services without adjacent relationship with Jesus only exacerbates the pain of those who can't can't or won't get in. I will say that again too. Altar services without adjacent relationship with Jesus only exacerbates the pain of those who can't or won't get in. Can I remind you that everybody that got in that water that got whole got out not following Jesus. Which means you can, you can have great altar services and walk right out that door and never follow Jesus. You know what you're going to need the next time? You're going to need the water to move again. You're going to need the ripple effect. You're going to need the whirlpool coming up. Oh, yeah. How was church? Man, I got blessed and I feel a whole lot better. Yeah, but you're not following better. It's not about feeling better. It's about following better. That man, the man that was like this for 38 years... Never got in the water, but he got with Jesus at the altar and he was made whole of whatsoever disease that he had. And he followed Jesus and he loved Jesus. Now let's get back to that thought placebo effect real quick. Placebo effect. Found in seasonal moves in the altar. A placebo effect is this. Placebos are substances that are made to resemble drugs but do not contain an active drug. <laughs> they look like a real drug, but it's made of an, an inactive substance such as starch or sugar. What's sugar going to do? Woo-hoo-hoo! Yeah, woo! And after a while, it's... That starch is going to get you way up here. It's going to bring you way down here. I've saw Pentecostal altars do that for people for years. Look like they had the real thing. Look like they got the real stuff. I mean, they're tongue talking. They're running. They're jumping. They're bucking. They're falling in the floor. The next thing you know, you hear about they've relapsed into their sin. They're not walking in victory. And you got to deal with them along that line the whole time. What I'm saying tonight is we've got to know, not just believe there's benefit from the treatment when it's only psychological and not physical. We've got 
to know there's a real spiritual touch of God that when I get with Jesus in this altar, I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to walk with him just like I did at this altar. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to tell other people about him. Come on, folks. we got to grow up beyond just the moving of the water. We've got to follow the Lamb of God, whithersoever he goes. How many times have we thought a new season was here but most people didn't or couldn't get in and they remained victims. Verses 5 through 7. A certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years which Jesus saw him lie knew that he had been now a long time. You mentioned this too brother. You spoke this over this young lady right here. Amazing. And Jesus saw him lie knew that he had been now a long time. In that case he saith unto him wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another step with them before me. Have you ever noticed how victims are selfish? Have you ever noticed how victims are slow? I don't mean mentally slow. I just mean they don't, they don't engage. And they blame everybody else for them not being able to get over stuff. Nobody's helping me. Nobody's doing it. Nobody cares about me. Come on, you got to get over yourself. You got to quit lying to yourself. You're using that to reject Jesus. You're using that to blame God, to hold God as as your hostage. Let's get the last one. I love this one. Verses eight and nine says, "Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk." And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. How many of you know that the words of Jesus are his enablements? Rise, take up your bed and walk. He didn't have to get up and roll his bed up and then he received power to walk. No, he received power to walk and then he rolled his bed up. Religion would have said, roll your bed up. Roll your bed up. Stop what you're doing. Then Jesus will make you whole. No, Jesus will make you whole, and then you can stop what you've been doing. Rise, take up your bed and walk. He did. That was his enablement. Now catch this, and I'm done right here. There was a lady who got on an airplane one day, and she had rode on this with this carrier before. And uh, she saw one of the flight attendants there who was a spirit-filled believer. And she said to him, she said, you don't recognize me, do you? He said, no, ma'am, I don't guess I do. She said, well, she said, I used to live in Kansas City, Missouri, and it's a very cold, humid climate. And said, they used to wheel me down to the, on the jet bridge in a wheelchair and said, you'd pick me up and you would set me in my seat and when we got to our destination you'd pick me back up put me back in the wheelchair and roll me out he said really he said well no wonder I didn't recognize you because you're not in a wheelchair and I didn't have to carry you what happened to you she said well I moved away from Kansas City and I moved to Tucson, Arizona I moved to a desert arid environment and she said it started making a difference 
in my body. Environment. 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 What about an environment that's arid like that? There's no asthma. There's very little mold there. People's mental acuity and mental sharpness starts coming back into focus. There's less joint pain. There's blood pressure improvements. All because she left the environment that was feeding her weakness and killing her and got into the environment that fed her wellness. It's where God wants you tonight. This may not be for everybody. That's okay. I'd come all this way to preach to one person tonight. I'm telling you, it's time for you to change your environment. It's time for you to get into the right environment, and that's Christ in the Holy Ghost. And everything that God said to that serpent, that becomes a reality in you. You crush his head. There's no curse in you. There's nothing he can feed on. You starve him out. And you walk in victory. Let's stand together tonight all across this building.